0: Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week, we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week, we watched Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, directed by Matt Reeves and released in 2014. The movie's plot goes something like this. After a plague has wiped out most of the world's humans, intelligent apes have been living in relative peace until a small group of human survivors encroaches on their land and tensions rise. That's the one I wrote. Yes, I realised halfway through it. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: if I, if you, there's one available, I steal it. Okay. So,
0: Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Um, we went to see Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which came out in 2011. I don't remember if that's the same director. Do you know if that's the uh, same director? Well, luckily, I
1: have my internet in front of me, and I'll have a look. Because I was just I saw the name of the director, yeah. and I was wondering. I it's, um, so it's his name is Matt Reeves. Like it doesn't it's, it doesn't exactly stand out.
0: So I um, I'd be interested to know because I feel like all of the things that I liked about Rise of the Planet of the Apes are not in this movie. Mm. Um, It was the second really, really disappointing sequel of the summer for me because Rise of the Planet of the Apes was such a surprise. Like, it was, it felt so much better than it had any right to be. It was amazing. It was really interesting. It had all these character moments and had all this family drama and humanism and that sort of thing in it. And it also had, like one of the best you know mocap performances we've seen and then this one
1: didn't have any of that i can't remember rise that well so i went into this one kind of not exactly keen so i wasn't disappointed i actually i had there were a lot of things i found to enjoy in this one but yes just to answer your earlier question different director um, and I don't know. I don't know if there's a plan to do all these movies. This one certainly seems to be setting up for a sequel. I don't know if there's any kind of overarching, uh, you know, idea of linking them together or whatever. But yeah, I have. I have no idea. I, I there were some very specific aspects of Dawn uh Dawn that I was really disappointed in, but. At the same time, I actually quite enjoyed a lot of the like, issues that it raises and the things it made me think about.
0: Yeah. I, I, I wrote that um, it tackles some interesting themes, and some of them it does really well. Like it, Or it see, you see these glimpses of it do, them doing it really well. Yeah. But then yeah. It, it, it's, it, I think that instead of just embracing the fact that this was kind of a, a war movie, mm. it sort of tried to bring in the family drama humanism aspect of the first one. Mm. And then that just fell flat. Like, Malcolm and his family, I couldn't care less about. Um, I was like, well, if Kerry Russell was the lead, like, human, I would be all up in that. But since she's not, I don't I don't care. Jason Clark is rubbish. He's just really boring. He's really boring. And his he's... accent is awful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> like, he's up against Cody Smith-McPhee, who I didn't recognize. Like, at the end mm. credits, it went Cody Smith-McPhee. And I was like, what? But, um... Because, you know, kids,
1: they age. Um, they do. Kid,
0: Cody Smith-McPhee is also Australian. Is he? Yeah. Ah. Oh, and he his accent... Wait, is he
1: that kid that you, like, babysat for a friend of his mother or something? No, no, no. no, that's, no he's American. That was oh, right, um, that's Jacob Cogan, who right, played right, right, right. Little Sorry. Spock in Star Trek. Right. So, Cody Smith-McPhee is Australian. I, yeah. didn't, I wouldn't have known that. Um, I but didn't know that either. I knew either. the other guy was. Because oh, no, I did know that. What am I talking about? What is about? his name? Jason Clark. Not. Not only does... He is the accent over the place a bit, but he just looks Australian. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's got a really Aussie sort of a face. He looks like he should be on hosting Rove or something. Like, well, Gary Oldman looks British too, but his accent is fine, Yeah, but he's, so. he doesn't – yeah, um, also, I think I've seen more Gary Oldman do American lately than I have seen him do British. Yeah, Um. so um, yeah, he, yeah, he's fine. But this that- guy just looks Australian to me. Mm. Yeah,
0: and he was boring. Like, I didn't understand what the point of having him there was. He was so dull. He was so, like, his family story was boring. And the other thing is there's no arcs for anybody in the movie except for basically Koba and Caesar, mm. right? Like, Koba is his um, second-in-command. He rescued him from a lab. I think I vaguely remember him from the first movie. Um, and Koba really doesn't like the humans because they experimented on him for years. It's pretty fair reason not to like somebody. Mm. Um, but they have, you know, differences of opinion and it sort of all explodes. Um, and they're, they're the only ones that have any sort of characterization and story arcs to me. It's the apes movie. It, the humans
1: are just, yeah. I think I would argue Cody Smith-McPhee's character has a little bit of an arc, but that might have more to do with the actor yeah, than it has to do with say. the the script which is a bit weak but it's I mean you're meant to be on the side of the apes but it's really just all about the apes like you you don't feel a lot of sympathy for the humans at all
0: um and Cody Smith McPhee and Kerry Russell are both better than what they got in this
1: poor Kerry Russell was so good and she was really giving it her all there's a couple of really wonderful scenes where she keeps talking and like a tear trickles out of her face and I'm like where did you learn that trick how do you do that but she was so good and half of her lines were like Malcolm Malcolm Malcolm, come like that was her role and I'm her just role, like, she was you are so much she was so much better than the role that she had it's awful i mean we are
0: um proponents of the resurgence of kerry russell um but she was she was really good and she is really talented and she was reduced to the girlfriend who is she was a doctor i, th- I don't even know if she was doctor she was like a nurse or something I I got the idea medical... that she was a
1: doctor. I think that you meant to either you meant to think that she seems she to never have worked... says she was No, a they doctor. say she worked for the C D C so we don't actually know, but it seems like she's got some medical knowledge and
0: Yeah. yeah. Um so she's entirely reduced to just like the girlfriend role and the healer role mm. and nothing else. Um but she still comes off better than Caesar's partner who does nothing who is
1: reduced to giving birth and damseling.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, she's basically fridged. She doesn't get killed, but she's basically fridged in that something terrible happens to her Mm. in order to, like, spur Caesar on to try and, you know, Mm. be friends with the humans. Yeah, well, and then
1: Caesar gets non-killed fridged in order to spur his son on. And she has a name in the credits. Oh, the- Caesar's son has a um, has a bit of a character. Arc That's too. true. That's true. Um, she has a
0: name in the credits, which but- is Cornelia, but you never hear it in no. the movie. Like, there's only one named female character in this movie.
1: Yeah, and I don't remember her character. And name. only two that have anything to do, which um, is Carrie Russell's character and um, Mrs. Ape. Yeah, who Cornelia apparently. Um, and
0: um, Kirk Acevedo, who is also quite a good actor, is reduced to just the most one-dimensional, boring villain character. Mm. Um, who I kept. Call- I'm going to keep calling Charlie because I can't remember what his name is in the movie. It's something similar to Charlie Carver. That's it. And he plays Charlie on Fringe. Oh, and so, right. like, I so all I can see is Charlie. Like, that's the only thing that mm. sort of got through. Um, so Charlie mm. is a terribly written character. Mm. Like, he is. He is just a bad guy, and that's it. For the whole thing, all he does is hate apes. And he has no reason to hate apes. They even talk to him about the reason, and he's like, because of the simian flu. And Carrie Russell very wisely points out that uh, people made the simian flu, the apes had nothing to do with it. And he's like, well,
1: who else am I going to blame? And she's like, I just told you, people, people made it. We did we this. People. <laughs> like- yeah, I know. Oh. He He's like the guy who's got to stand in for how stupid the white American male is, and then – He's, I they they kind of they don't really do that properly because I think there was this. Well, he's not white either. In, yes, well, exactly. Well, this is the thing. Like they're doing this thing where they try and show how stupid the white American male is, right? Because him and what's his name, Dave. I don't know. what even know what the the main guy's name is, Dave Malcolm, Malcolm and um and the other guy now. It admittedly only one of them is actually white, but they all they go into the um into the dam and they've got to clear a blockage. And instead of like a normal person getting out a chainsaw and cutting out the blockage, they blow the thing up, right? Mm. And I'm like, this is just a perfect example of the stupidity of the white American male. Except that y- the way they've done it, it just I think it they I think they missed making that point. It, although yeah. I think they were trying to.
0: I think much better than that was the at the example at the end when Gary Oldman tries to blow up the whole tower. Mm. That's a better example. Yeah, and you understand why Gary Oldman is doing it. Like it's I can understand his motivations much, even though he's still a very thin character. Much better than Charlie's because at one point the little tiny baby like gri- mm. uh, ape comes and and is
1: looking around and he hates that baby. Right. Well, it, that doesn't make any sense. Like they're playing with the baby ape, and he's like rawr, rawr, all apes are evil. Like he he is. What he is is like this one-dimensional idea of – it's like a one-dimensional idea of like a racist or a sexist in in, in that it is somebody who is overtly and obviously and loudly against something in all circumstances instead of the actual real-life definition of what a racist or a sexist is, which is somebody who – thinks that they're a perfectly normal person but has these prejudices. Like it doesn't – it's a really one-dimensional way of looking at how oppression works.
0: And they don't take any opportunities to make him more sympathetic. Like I saw all these little opportunities where they could have made him a little bit more sympathetic. Like at the beginning when he shoots Ash, you kind of understand why. Because, I mean, I I tell you what, those apes are scary. Like I was driving home and and a van was driving next to me and it was like, you know, 10.30 at night. Yeah. And next to me and I jumped because I'd been watching the movie because mm. the apes are so big and so intimidating and like, especially Koba Koba is scary, especially in that, that one scene, which I think is the best scene in the movie where he comes and he acts like an idiot, like he acts like he used yeah. to perform and then he just turns and shoots the guys and you're like, oh my God. And you knew it was going to happen. So you're on the edge of your seat the whole time. Right,
1: And he does it he does it twice he does the dance monkey dance act twice and he's so he is great well even just how the two guys are standing there firing off weapons and the apes swing in behind them silently and nobody notices like he cobra and his friends are really talented spies and really scary mm and cobra i think is
0: probably the best character like caesar's still a pretty good character but cobra really Like, the guy who plays him is called Toby Kebbell, and he must have put in a really good performance, because Cobra's very convincing, Mm. and Cobra's very scary, um, and you totally believe – like, but the thing is, right at the beginning of the movie, I was like, either Cobra or Charlie is going to start this war. Mm. Like, right at the beginning. You know, as soon as you meet the two characters, you're like, it's either going to be him or him, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but still, it he he had a much more nuanced performance and a much much more depth to him because you're like, well, I understand why he hates humans. Mm. They tortured him for years. Yeah, like, and you can see all the results of that. All his scars. All, yeah, and, yeah. And
1: when he does the human work thing, that was terrific. Oh, that was amazing. When and again, that was this really wonderful scene that shows how colonialism worked and how humans came in and invaded other people's territory and just, oh, I just need, need something for some resor- – I just need some natural resources. That's oh, all I'm going to do. But in reality, they were invading another species' territory and they kept infringing bit by bit on their boundaries and their world. And I thought what it was exploring was really, really interesting there. That was interesting, though, also
0: because the apes – I mean, I don't think you can really argue that that was their territory in the first place. Well no, but it because was their they territory at that I know. time, right? But they like so the, the, the people were going back to get what they already had. Yeah. Um yep. I don't I mean, I don't think that the motivations of like Malcolm I don't think they're that bad. But also at the same time you're like, Well, why do you
1: need to do all this stuff? That's the whole point though. That's the whole point. The he's not doesn't intend to be a bad person. He doesn't intend to act like humans have dominion over all of nature and all of its resources but he does see i didn't get that because i don't think he does like uh, he he's going back
0: to get something that the apes aren't using that like so they're trying to power up the dam again Mm. the apes aren't using the dam once they get the dam working they don't really have to be there and it was theirs in the first place so i 'm not really understanding like uh, i I know the other the colonialism stuff is and the racism stuff and all that sort of stuff is kind of in other things, but i don 't feel like that 's
1: necessarily the case in this in this point because but, but that was exactly how why countries argued in, in favor of colonizing certain places because they had a resource. That. But it isn't a resource.
0: It's it's theirs. They built the dam. The humans built the dam in the first place. This yeah. isn't a natural resource that's just there that but they it is water. Felt like they had they, the right to. But water. But and then, they yeah. already made it in the first place.
1: Then the apes went and took it. The, well, the apes just live in between. The apes don't even care about it, really. But it's just it, – I, I I still think it's a kind of – it's a really helpful metaphor to help you understand the way colonialism worked. No, well, I didn't get that. that that's what I I saw in that, because. But I mean, I mean, I felt like key... they had a, have every right to have the dam back,
0: but they don't have every right to go into that territory. I, and if they I diplomatically quite... worked out, like, because Malcolm was going about it the right way, right? Like, if they diplomatically worked out a way for them to share the land that was originally the humans, like the apes. We're
1: taken there by humans, which is awful. Yeah, yeah. but you're taking <laughs> what you're, you're taking here is a very that's more like slavery, human centric view of of things. And what's going on is also this very Jurassic Park thing of humans thinking that they are the boss of everything, that they're the highest level of civilization, and inst- so instead of trying to live with other creatures, they in fact enforce their dominion over them they apes don't have a sense of ownership until humans like humans tell them that this is theirs and that's what you, until they learn it from humans so it's only humans who have a sense of owning a piece of land or owning a power station like a- apes don't have that sense apes just live and they don't need or or seek to build Structures like that that keep their society propped up, but does that mean that the humans are
0: bad for wanting it? Like, I don't really, I don't think if that. I don't. It think means there that would be the whole morally, system is problematic. I don't is think what it there'd means. be anything morally wrong with them just setting up something where they can peacefully use the dam without disrupting the apes at all. There
1: wouldn't be, but there's also this idea. It's part of the weakness of humans that we've actually had to build, like that we actually think we need things like electricity to keep living, they don't. They could get on fine without electricity. they just have to reorganize their society. But they don't want to do that. They want to keep things as they were and keep having electricity instead of thinking, well, maybe the world has changed. And that's what I was thinking throughout this. I was like, it was – and this is where at least I would hope they were going – is it's about making you question the structures that we think are important.
0: Yeah, I know. But, I mean, I don't think that (laughs) – they also wanted to contact people, which is a human need, like, to have contact with people and, and to, like, be connected, right? So, I mean, I don't, I really don't think that, like, I, you know, it does make you question why you need those things. But I don't think that what they were doing, like, the reason that it all fell apart wasn't because the people have different needs to apes. Like that because they do have different needs to apes, they were talking about how the apes don't need shelter and all that sort of stuff, but we've been around for a long time, and we kind of do like we need all of that stuff, um and a lot of them they you know they have little kids, and little kids can't live the same way little baby apes can. It's just that we have different needs, and so I don't think they're necessarily bad for wanting to, to... i don't
1: think they're actually bad for wanting it and and they certainly are operating within the only structure that they know, I just think it's, it's asking questions about why we operate in this kind of structure and why we need this kind of stuff. At least that was my reading of it. Yeah, anyway, but we, the, I mean, diplomacy and
0: stuff. I think I see as a really good thing. Like if they had gotten all of that working and then maybe offered something the the apes something in return, and then they got some sort of diplomacy working where like they were working together, right. that would have been great. Because the, the apes helped the humans with their what they were doing at one point, right? Like
1: yeah, what Malcolm in, was in trying to do for medicine. Yeah, what Malcolm was trying to do was honourable, and he was trying to do it well.
0: But that's the thing is that they also didn't have medicine. So without Kerry Russell coming in and saving his wife or his, I don't know, wife is probably not like the right term, but, you know, without that happening, then none of that would have happened. So clearly there was some sort of exchange of, like, that's, that's, yeah, what, that's what is they, at the heart I mean, of diplomacy. Yeah. Like and we, that's we each what
1: get tr- something out of yeah. it. Yeah. And, and that's what they tried to do and that was all perfectly fine. I just think it raises some important questions is all. Yeah. I know. I just don't.
0: I don't see that the same way that you were talking about. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but anyway, I I, I, I didn't quite – I got frustrated with this movie a lot and bored a lot. And there were kids talking behind me the whole time as Oy. well. They um, left their parents and they were sitting in a row in front of their parents and talking and then just saying stuff really loudly. Like, he's not dead. And, oh, it's his son. And we're like, we know. Shut up. <laughs> anyway anyway. – Um, Yeah, I didn't think it was that – they had some really good ideas in there, but
1: they didn't explore them particularly well. Mm. Yeah, see, whereas I actually thought they explored them pretty – explored the ideas pretty well, except that they were super hypocritical. Like, they they were trying to explore all these really progressive ideas and you have one female named character and, like, two women with any kind of storyline in your whole movie. Really, guys? Really? It's not very progressive. No, I know, and, and anyway,
0: um, I mean, the first one also had really big sexism issues. It had one female character as mm. well, um, but, like, the first one, all of those, are, all the ideas were more cleverly um, explored, I think, mm. um, than this one because I think this one was trying to balance too many things. Like, what was Cody Smith-McPhee
1: um, traumatised by? It, it's not clear. Maybe the death of his mother Right? Uh, I don't know. He, he could have been traumatized by the death of his mother. He could have been on the spectrum. That was the other, like he might have been on the autism spectrum. That was my other thought about him. But they don't say There's no, anything. No. Um, what and happened clear that to Carrie Russell? Yeah. Well, that, again, it's clear that she's been through some trauma and her daughter has died. Like, but they, they don't really go into much detail about that. And so it, me- it makes the humans even less sympathetic. Like you get one uh, scene of Gary Oldman finally charges up his iPad to look at photos of his dead family. It's um, it might have been in the bathroom at that point. Oh yeah, so he, it's also really long. Yeah, it is really long. They get the electricity goes back on, and you hear the, you know, the noise an Apple device makes when it plugs into a computer to start charging. You hear that noise, and I was I was looking around like, oh, who is turning their phone on in the cinema? But it was a Gary Oldman plugging in his iPad, looking at photos. Yeah, they haven't got to iOS. Yeah, seven I was yet. definitely in in the bathroom. When oh, they turned there you go.
0: the. Well, I saw them just turn the electricity back on, mm. and that was it. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, the humans were really duplicitous and that would have been a perfectly good angle yeah. to play. They didn't really even play that very much. They didn't play any of the angles for the humans very much. It was all about the apes. And so to have the humans, mm. like, they have to do more
1: with the humans because it's a two-sided war, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. It, it sort of, yeah, basically, it sort of makes the apes both the heroes and the villains because it... it puts the responsibility onto them for starting the war, but then it also makes them the only characters you're sympathizing with and like well
0: I kinda wonder if Charlie really started the war earlier that than that by shooting Ash in the first place. Yeah, well it's well, like yeah. or that they started the war by going up there, although they didn't know the apes were there. That would but be if my... that had been handled better.
1: Yeah, and, and that's and again it's trying to explore a quite a complex issue that seem that happens quite often in that a war starts quite reasonably between two groups well, – or quite reasonably – between two groups over something small, like someone shooting an ape. But then, you know, one of the groups will have – groups will split off into factions and fight amongst each other and that kind of adds another dimension. And it's trying to explore that. I don't know that it necessarily does it with a lot of nuance or – interestingly, but it, that's where it's going, I think.
0: Yeah, that's the problem is that that's where it's going but it doesn't do it very well. I also thought that the use of CG was excessive. Mm. Um, and I thought that right out of the gate because right out of the gate we have a long scene with just animals that are all CG in it Mm. and I was like you can tell they're all CG when there's just a couple of apes on in in the shot they look really realistic but whenever you get like a big group of them or other animals interacting with them suddenly it all kind of falls apart a bit
1: well yeah and this is sort of at the heart of the problem, I guess, because the movie's about the apes, they're the ones we sympathise with. They're, it's their story, really. Uh, the other thing about the CG, though, there's a scene later on where the apes take a tank and they're driving it, and we have this like 360 shot, and then it drives up in the up the steps into the market and all that kind of stuff, and it's it's just a like it was just showing off what they could do I think with that 360 shot and then when it actually drives up the stairs there's some kind of weird angle thing going on and you can sort of see the matte painting and the, the, or the background painting and it doesn't quite work and the doors open when the the um, tank hasn't quite hit them. I mean, no, the, the tank didn't open the doors. The apes did. Oh, right. Well, that yeah, makes the apes sense. were opening the doors. But it looked doors. weird yeah. and it meant you thought the tank was going to open the doors and then you see the, the background painting and it's obvious. So the, and but the anyway. tank
0: shoots at the doors and then goes back a bit, right? But then the apes open the doors underneath it because you can see them trying yeah. to open it before the tank comes However, out. However, the um, 360
1: before that was excessive and show
0: Yes. I actually quite liked most of the war stuff, not so much the tank scene, but most of the war stuff mm. from Blue Eyes. The sun's point of view. Yeah, that was really good because that felt really warish. I actually, I actually think the sun had an interesting arc. I thought that was a, that was an okay arc. It was as long as, but it wasn't explored very well. He didn't have that much screen time, mm. um, and no. you know, most of his arc was I was a bratty kid and now I'm not because uh, he he spent so much time and there wasn't any kind of glimpses of him not being a bratty kid earlier, mm. which I thought like the arc would have worked better if there were like. Again, there's no nuance there. It was one thing then the other thing, and that's it. Mm. Um helped helped along by thinking his dad was dead and exactly. then realizing his dad was not dead. Um and then that scene was really good as well. And the, the stuff at the old house was pretty good, but that was kind of like calling you back to the emotion of the first movie, which I think was much more effective. Like you see that shot of J- like when they when they, when showed, they showed the, the, the video. video of James Franco. Yeah. yeah, and that's so sweet and there's nothing like that in this movie. Hmm. There's none of that sort of, oh, that's, like, you can understand where people are coming from. That's really sweet. None of that connection. None of that pull. Mm. None of that stuff is in this. And that's why the first one was so sad, too. Like, you watched um, this relationship between James Franco and his Alzheimer's father and this chimp that was so uh, emotional. And, like, you could understand why everybody was doing the things that they were doing, but you could also see how much they were hurting each other and... And you could see why Caesar ended up being who Caesar was.
1: Mm. And none of that's in this. None of and, it's and, in this. Well, yeah, and you'd get that sense of genuine heartbreak at the end when they can't agree, whereas with Dave, Malcolm, it's um, some <laughs> – I don't know why you – it's because before this I said, what are they going to call the third one? And I think you said something about Rise of the Planet of the Daves or something. I don't no, know. I was talking about Dawn of the Dead. Oh,
0: Right, because I was like, if it's co- if it's continued in the of the dead thing, it would be uh, right. it would be
1: um, day of the dead, day of the dead, right? Okay. Anyway, and then in my head, I got the idea of Dave, and then I couldn't remember, you know, boring Joe's name, and it's Malcolm. But you don't get this, that same sense. Like they're trying to go for for that sense of uh, him and Caesar not being able to really work out a compromise, and the war's going to go on, and it's not going to work, even though they get along. But he does. It doesn't have the the relationship doesn't have the depth. Mm. The first one to be, I mean, because it's given time to build, and because that's kind of a huge part of the story is James Franco building that relationship with Caesar. You know how they could have fixed it?
0: Put Kerry Russell in that role. Mm. I'm sure she would have backed it better, and then we would have been more convinced by it.
1: Yeah, or just, yeah, or if they had to have a guy, that needed to pick someone who was probably more experienced or better at carrying a film. Because yeah. re- he Jason Clark is a relative unknown. He was in – the reason that he got this role apparently
0: is because is he was good in Zero Dark Thirty.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying he's a bad actor or anything. He just I wasn't – I am. See, I just didn't find him compelling. I, that was, it wasn't that he was bad. It was that I didn't care. I genuinely thought he was bad. Now, I don't know if he's bad
0: in everything because this is the first thing I've seen him in, but mm. I thought he was bad in this. Um, I didn't feel anything from him at any mm. point. There was no point at which I was like, oh, poor Malcolm or – um. Yeah. Go, Malcolm, or any of that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, I felt bad for him a few times, but it wasn't to do with him. It mm-hmm. was to do with like I was frustrated because the apes were
1: perpetuating violence, oh, and I was like, "We have seen him before. He's the mechanic in um in Great Gatsby. Oh, the, the yeah. yeah 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 the abusive husband. That's right. Yeah, he wasn't bad in that role, but anyway. Um,
0: no. Beside the point. Um. Okay. So yeah. uh, yeah, I felt I felt irritated with the apes. <laughs> Yeah, because I was like, "This is not how you do things." It was frustrating to me. Like, and I was trying. I was sort of like, "Oh, this is how apes do things," and I was like, "But that's not. You're not showing like progress over the humans at this point." Mm. And they didn't at any point in the movie, which kind of frustrated me. Because then, at the end of the movie, the point was that they are like the humans.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> at a point which is reinforced all the way throughout the movie when there's only one woman in the whole tribe that you ever see and they have really stupid patriarchal rules. It's in really
0: life. hard to know if any of the others are female, to be fair, but all the named apes are male. Are male,
1: right. Even Maurice, who actually looks female and has sort of a teaching role and all that kind of stuff. And is played by a woman. Yeah, is, is, is kind of coded female. But, yeah, they're all, they're all male, so they have this really – it got to me again as this really human view of what ape societies are like. I don't – I don't know anything about apes and I'm taking it on faith that they did some research and they got in some people who know about ape societies, but it made me, I I got this idea that it was a very human view of what ape societies are like as opposed to necessarily and they wanted, and it was done in order to make it as human-like as possible in order to make the conflict easier and use it as a metaphor for how humans are horrible to other humans. But anyway, I really
0: liked Maurice. Me too. That was like my favorite character. Yeah. <laughs> he was, well, I think, I think Koba has to be my favorite character if only because he was the one I was most invested in. Um, like, even though it was not a good investment, in a sense, like you were like, I really hope he doesn't do this, but I know he's going to do this. He was the one I had the most investment in. Whereas, mm. but Maurice is probably the nicest. Yeah. Character.
1: Yeah. The, and there's a really sweet little burgeoning relationship between, Maurice and uh, Cody Smith-McPhee's character, who is, I should look up, Alexander. And it seems like everybody likes
0: Maurice as well. Mm. Like, Maurice is really nice. No- and I remember Maurice yeah. from the first movie.
1: Right, right. Exactly, yeah. Well, because, I mean, there's only so many giant orangutans you see. But, and, and well, Maurice is just, he seems to be respected among the apes and respected by the humans, and it's nice. Yeah, it is. Um, Maurice is lovely. But, yeah, I think, I think, by far,
0: my takeaway from this is that it would have been better as a war movie. Instead mm. of trying to push all the drama and stuff into it, because the emotion wasn't there, so it's not working. And that, like Toby Kebbell, should do more of this um, sort of work because he was terrific. Mm. Um, Cobra was like, I, I can't explain how much Cobra freaked me out.
1: Like, that's good, I didn't get freaked out, but that's good. I'm glad. No, I
0: was on the edge of my seat through that whole, the whole like. Dancing monkey type scene. Yeah, I was literally on the edge of my seat through that whole thing, and when the guns went off, even though I knew it was coming, I jumped like a foot. Mm. But you know, I jump easily anyway. But that's not the point. I think Cobra was like, and the the expressions and the amount of of like of. Expressing what he could, what he was feeling and stuff was really, mm. really impressive. Like Andy Circus level impressive, you know. Mm. Like they both have that ability to project through the CG. A, a really interesting performance. Mm. Mm. Um, whereas I think the kid who played Blue Eyes wasn't quite as good at that. Um, most of the other apes weren't quite as good at that. Whereas mm. like Cobra was really, really impressive, visually impressive and really powerful, and like you felt the performance, mm. which is what Andy Circus can do. Yeah. Um. And which is what Zoe Saldana did actually in Avatar. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody else really did in Avatar. You know, like they they were really great. Mm. Um. And the scenes between those two were really tense and electric as well. Mm. The Cobra Caesar scenes are really interesting. Yeah. That
1: relate. Well, I mean, that's kind of the most well developed relationship of the whole thing because they're the most well developed char- characters of the whole thing.
0: Yeah. Um. And you can see that that Caesar's sort of fatal flaw mm. is that he has too much belief in apes. Mm. Um and faith in apanity.
1: Yes, I don't exactly. know how to say humanity for apes. so Apanity will do. Simanity. Simanity. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. That's <laughs> now you're going to make make me think of them as little Sims. Uh, <laughs> they speak simish.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think that was that was the best and most interesting relationship, mm. and he was the best character mm-hmm. by far. I just, I'm so, I'm so disappointed mm. because I was so, I was so excited by Rise of the Planet of the Apes.
1: Like, yeah, whereas I was like I was going into this going, oh, I suppose I better watch it. I said I'd, I said we'd do it for the podcast, <laughs> so I went into it like eh, and I was like, oh, it's okay, it's fine. It made me think about interest. I think the thing is, uh, the best part of the movie is the stuff I brought to it myself. So all of the, all of these things were ticked off in my brain because I've been doing a lot of reading about revolution and social structures and overthrowing the patriarchy and overthrowing capitalism, all this cool stuff, and I kind of just thinking about the way we organize our society. So in my head, I'd already done a lot of the pre-reading, I guess, and I'd been thinking about this stuff and it it, it just ticked off some cool ideas. So in that sense, I enjoyed it. In a lot of other senses, I was like, oh, this is getting a bit long. Are we going to finish it? Please don't kill off Kerry Russell. She's so much better than this part. I wish I, should, I could stop hearing her yell, Malcolm. <laughs> yeah, uh, I had similar
0: feelings, like – the thing is, the, the few scenes that were good were so good that it kind of elevated the movie a bit for me. Mm. And I've been wavering between two marks for it since I saw it. Right. Um, because there were those scenes, but also it was so disappointing in so many mm. other ways. Um, I still think it looks pretty good, but I don't. I don't know why all that extra CG in the beginning was necessary. Mm. You know, when they're chasing, there's all the antelope or deer or whatever they are oh and yeah there's a stampede deer. it's yeah, really yeah. weird
1: the apes set off a stampede there's not and really reason and it doesn't look better it. than the one in Jumanji <laughs> that was no. what I was
0: thinking right it's like this reminds me of Jumanji um and that's that shouldn't be happening in this movie. Jumanji was made in like 1996. Um yeah, well I it just
1: didn't seem necessary as well. It just uh, it was there to make the apes look a bit dickish, like to to make the apes look like they were trying to be like humans and have dominion mm. over the other animals. It also was there to show the relationship between Caesar and Koba and his right. son. Yeah, 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 and the the warlike um attitudes of Koba and blue eyes and also to give blue eyes the scrapes that made so him we really recognize re- him recognize for the rest exactly. of the movie because
0: like the ones that we recognize right there's cobra who's missing a lot of hair and has scars everywhere yeah, so he's yeah, very recognizable. recognizable
1: there's caesar who's the main guy so we always know that it's here yeah. there's um cornelia who looks like she's had surgery on her forehead i think but i think it it's meant to be a- like a crown slash tiara arrangement
0: i freaked out at the masks <laughs> Did you, the masks that the doctor apes were wearing, like the bone masks over their faces. I watched that and I was like, they're wearing masks. It just like, for some reason that just made me laugh so hard the whole time that I was watching those scenes. I must've missed that bit. I don't remember. But it also, it didn't work. No. But like, that's clearly something they've picked up from humans. But I Mm. I really liked that for some reason. Um, Yeah. I liked the school. I would have liked to see more
1: more of the society and that sort of thing. Right. I think there was an interesting world in there that we didn't really get to see. I think they'd done like I was talking about before. I think they've done a bit of research into how ape societies work, but I didn't actually really we didn't really get to see it. I think also other than how it's similar to ours, they're setting up for planet of the apes
0: right like it's mm. very clear to me now that this they're, they're leading up to the way it ends it ends with a clear setup for a sequel but also they put them in the cages the people yeah yeah um yeah. and there's all these references to what's going to eventually happen and um this is something that
1: jelly leaned over and whispered to me during the movie jason clark was hired simply for his ability to look like charlton heston in the original uh yeah yeah that's, that's not it. worth
0: it though it's not worth it at all like to me, but also Charlton Heston doesn't even like the Apes. I know Charlton Heston gets enslaved and then escapes, and then you you what was it? Damn you, dirty Apes! Uh, the you somethinged her. I don't know. All I can think of is for The it's Simpsons, Doctor Zayus, Doctor Zayus. Yeah, the musical episode. Jim <sighs> kept saying that to me the whole time beforehand, anyway. and I was like, I don't get Simpsons references. I know yeah. who
1: Doctor Zaeus is. Um, yeah, yeah, that's. But I, that's, I know
0: who Doctor Zaeus is because of Reality Bites. <laughs> Um, it's all right.
1: I know a lot of things because of Reality Bites too.
0: Ben Stiller has a little Dr. Zayas doll in Reality Bites. No. Anyway. Um,
1: <laughs> so yeah, yeah, Because I, yeah. anyway, I haven't seen. I've oh, seen it's a the different. It's, yeah, but anyway, it's a totally different character. But I think it's meant to to look a bit like Charlton Heston. Yeah, Charlton Heston. Well, for for example, he would never be so anti-gun. So you know, he he would he would be with Gary Oldman trying to shoot them. Anyway. The gun scenes were interesting. Well, yeah, the, I, that's again, that's something really interesting that they explore about the dangers of guns and the complete utter stupidity of them all. And you know, Caesar trying to destroy them, but Cobra going, Fuck it, "We're just going to use them." Yeah, uh, but then they didn't really do any. They
0: didn't really
1: go anywhere. Well, with I it. think they were it, not very too brave many ideas, and also they weren't brave enough to explore mm. them. Like. It's still a, com- a big, commercial, expensive, mainstream movie. But the reason that the first one – the reason,
0: one of the reasons the first one succeeded so well is because it went, we're a big, mainstream, commercial movie, but we're not going to act like it. And they did explore all of those ideas. Mm. They really went for it. Also, the first one had Tom Felton saying the damn dirty ape line. Get yeah. your stinking paws off me, you damn, damn. dirty ape. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't remember who he – he might have even said that to Cobra. Because I remember that was in like a, it was in
1: the um where they had the apes cap um, keeping yeah. them captive.
0: I I don't remember. I it's I really haven't seen it since I saw it at the movies. Um, I don't see. I only remember like bits and pieces. I I remember the first one that I loved it. Um, yeah. I remember that I came out of it going, "This is way better than this kind of movie has any right to be." It's so the opposite of what the old ones were, which were like campy and fun, mm. um, but still had those kind of elements of interesting things.
1: Yeah. See, I came out of it having enjoyed it, but I also quite enjoyed this one. Although now that I've talked about it with you for all this time, I don't want to give it as high a mark as I was planning on giving it. Anyway. Don't let me sway you. I just didn't like it. (laughs) No, I know. uh, Yeah, whereas I actually quite enjoyed myself while I was watching it. But I think I might have convinced myself that it's better than it is by just you know spending the whole – because I had time to sit and think, really, in the movie instead of actually fully paying attention. I don't
0: know. See, the time to sit and think for me was (laughs) – I don't know, some of the time I was like, yeah, that's really interesting and some of the time I was like, this is really annoying mm. and that's not something I want to be experiencing at the movies. Mm. And I, like if I'd been really interested, to be honest, I probably wouldn't have gone out to the bathroom. No. You know, I would have just held it till the end, but I wasn't that into it. No. Um, I did quite like Gary Oldman. I wanted more of Gary Oldman. Mm. Well,
1: he's always, he he's done this string of sort of, Slightly dodgy big commercial movies, but and he's, he's always, always done that. Yeah, yeah, but he's always the best thing about them too. Like, he. You
0: know, what about um first no Con Air no the what's the one where he's on the plane? He's the terrorist on the plane, and he's trying to kill the president on the plane. Air Force One.
1: Thank you. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's basically Gary Oldman's career, isn't it? It's like every so often he'll do like small British film, but most of his career has been made up of the serious blacks. You know, doing do being really, really good in a really tiny part in a movie that's not nearly as good as he is.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't really put Harry Potter in that boat because I think pretty much everybody good and British is in Harry Potter. Yeah, um, yeah. Except yeah, for that age group that we've talked about. But I think yeah. actually more like Air Force One, this Robocop Fifth Element, is yeah. uh, what he did. Like, fifth Element, right. come on. This like, is a
1: classic Gary Oldman role, right? And he's he, and like Kerry Russell, he puts everything into it yeah. and does a really good job of it yeah and that's the thing. actually, this role is very similar to his role in Robocop, I think oh mm, um, yeah, yeah, so very similar like i I don't begrudge him doing roles like this. I mean, they pay the bills, I've no doubt, but it's not just that. I think every role that – like the majority of roles that he
0: do he does the majority of roles that he does are like this, they he has no idea whether they're going to be good or not when they first start out dark he was in the Dark Knight movie, the Batman, mm. no the, the yeah, yeah he reprise was of Batman, right, yeah, like. I don't think that when he first gets these, he knows whether they're going to be good or bad. He just goes, puts everything into it. And sometimes they're great. And sometimes they're not. (laughs) Yeah. And regardless of which, we'll have a good Gary Oldman performance.
1: Yeah, and we get a good Carrie Russell performance, and you know how I love Carrie Russell. I know, but I wanted—I actually—I
0: want more for her. Consistently through the whole movie was going, I would like this person so much more if it was Carrie Russell.
1: When mm. I was watching Malcolm, she, she would have made a much better lead, much and she's better. got the experience to carry the film. Like uh, Jason, what's his face, Clark is not—he's he, not young, but he's not an experienced actor. He's an, he's only been around, he hasn't been on he's the scene. He's green. Yeah, he hasn't been on the scene that long. Kerry Russell's been acting since she was a teenager and she's really strong and she can carry a movie like this. Physically and, as well. Like, did you see her muscles in this? Holy oh, crap. my God. She, yeah, it was another Emily Blunt moment. I'm like, I need to do some push-ups. <laughs> she um, looked great. She did, well, yes, physically. can carry. Yes, yeah, she probably could carry it physically. But she's also got the emotional depth. And I think also the kind of role where she's a, a diplomat and a healer would suit her it it was suited to this character yeah Mm. yeah i think she could have played his role really well yeah like she could have been the the leader and she could have had a you know slightly beefy husband who who was coming along to help her you know clear the debris out like that would have made more sense He he could have been her sidekick I also would have really liked it if, um, like all those
0: scenes were exactly the same, where she sort of stands, at, he he would be standing at the doorway. I can't believe you're going off to do this. Do you really think it's okay? You're so brave. I want to come with you. And then the other one where he, she like kneels next to him while he's sitting at a desk. Yeah, I, I would love to see that with them them reversed. Wouldn't right? it be like, amazing to watch that so reverse? Sexist those mm. bits. Like they're just these little tropes, but they're really, really.
1: Oh yeah, they're just icky. like a lot, like really, really reinforce female submissive yeah just she, she did that in this movie
0: a lot of the time yeah
1: and that was a lot of what she had to, she was given to do and she was uh, I, I just felt sorry for her because she was so much better than that and it would have been great to see them reversed like, see mm. them
0: swapped around. And he, she, he would be her son, and then the. Although we've seen that a million times too. So that wouldn't they really seemed, have made the, much the of a difference. The scenes
1: between the two of them seem to have been written by someone who'd never been in a relationship. Like, I got. They just seemed to have really cliched lines where the wife was really submissive and all her. Like, they'd learned everything they learned about relationships. They'd learned from, say, some sitcom where, you know, everything they learned about wives is that wives are nagging and they want to stop you doing fun things, but they want to come along. Like, it just didn't seem. They didn't strike me. It didn't feel real. I don't think that's the case. I think it
0: was more the case that she was doing basically what Frida Pinto did in the first one and, and what women do a lot of the times in movies, which is she was providing, like, the soft feminine side to things. Yeah, yeah. Where the, it was like, oh, I have to protect the children. He yeah, wanted her I mean. to stay like, back and protect the children. But then the kid was like, no, I'm coming too. And he was like, fine. So, yeah, um, that's what
1: I mean. Like, somebody wrote this who learned everything they know about relationships from movies. Like, I don't – it just feels – it didn't ring true yeah. as a relationship to me. It was, there was too much submissiveness on her part. But the whole one
0: of the problems I had with the whole movie was the tropified nature of it. Everything was tropes. Yeah, everything was tropes. There's the and kick the dog themes. moment. There's the save the cat moment. There's the like everything was. We have to do this for this character, and we have to do that for this character without actually building characterization. Yeah, um, and that was the problem. Yeah, exactly. That's that is the problem. Mm. Um, yeah. And and if they had focused on the things that were really good about it, they could have made a really good movie. But they didn't. They fo- they Their focus was too split.
1: Yeah. Um. We, they, they were too. Yeah. You're right. They're too busy caring about big ideas and big tropes and big themes, and not about actually making this story work for these people in this situation.
0: And not focusing on one of those big themes in
1: order to actually carry it to its logical end. Yeah. Not not really exploring any of it yeah. properly. Anyway, we should probably wrap up. We've done. Heaps and heaps longer than we need to. Um, yeah. So, what are you giving it? Um, I'm going to stick with two stars.
0: Right. I'm going to go with three and a half because I liked it more than you. Okay. Because I was, I've been wavering between two and a half and two. Mm, it's two and a half on your blog. That's why. I was Yeah, expecting. I know. And I had two on my live journal. <laughs> uh, and I have two and a half in my book. And now I've done two. Like, I can't decide because I can't. Like, it's it disappointed me so much. But I also recognize that there's some quite good things in it. Uh Uh-huh. And so that's why I'm wavering so much. Fair enough. (laughs) That's fine. It's just interesting. So it's 2.25 stars for me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. I don't have a shortcut on my keyboard for that, so I'll just give it two. Anyway... So thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you want to read the show notes or find old episodes, you can do that on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's blog, that is silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. You can find us on Twitter at screen underscore queens. You can find us on Facebook, facebook facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens. Or you can come and hang out with us on Tumblr, which is tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. I have a real treat for you coming
0: up if you uh, want to read my blog, because I'm going to watch Birdemic this week. It's all up on YouTube, and I'm super excited. Because Birdemic was reviewed on one of our favorite podcasts, How Did This Get Made? And Katie's very excited about it. I am. Um, every so often, How Did This Get Made reviews a movie that's
1: so terrible that I feel like I have to see it. It's and probably why we will them. review Barbed Wire in a few weeks. Yeah, I'm so excited about watching Barbed Wire. <laughs> <laughs> and so this week is Birdemic. I might I might even watch it with you. If you're really lucky, I'll watch it with you, and we can... Um, Review it. That'd be great.
0: Awesome. I'm excited about watching Birdemic.
1: And it's all up on YouTube. The whole thing's on YouTube. Makes it really easy to watch. That's true. I can take a break from watching Call the Midwife and watch that. Anyway, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.